From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for, what is today? Today is uh, Thursday, the 30th of August, 2018. Last late preseason games are tonight, of which, Danny Fleck, uh, you will be watching how many? Maybe 15 minutes of whatever's on TV. Yeah. This is uh, probably the worst football game of the year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody cares about the fourth week of preseason unless you have a personal connection somehow to the people involved in this decision. Um, because, yeah, this is uh, pretty meaningless football. The Jets flip Teddy Bridgewater to the Saints for a third. Uh, they give the Saints a sixth. Clearly, this is to be Drew Brees' backup potential successor, although I don't think Breeze is going anywhere anytime soon. Were you surprised by either the 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 trade, the deal, the terms, the place, uh, anything stick out? I think the last time we spoke, we spoke about what they might do with Bridgewater, and as far as the outcome of trading him, I'm not surprised at all. You know, you look at that poor guy's career and past, and you look at him being on the up, up swing and having a great Minnesota team and roster around him and the opportunity for that team to possibly contend for a Super Bowl, and it was all taken away from him by a bizarre injury that I don't think I've ever seen as a, a viewer, and I mean, we've never seen the video, I don't think anybody ever will, but... He had a long road back, and he was able to rehab his value, too, and I think his natural skill set still intact, which was what we saw with when he was able to play, which is a good passer, he's smart, he's mobile enough to, to get out of the pocket, and he's young. He's still only 25 or 26 years old, so the Jets did what I thought they had to do in the offseason. They took a chance on him. You can't rely on the draft. They necessarily give you the results that you're looking to get. You know, who knew that Sam Darnold would flip to them? I don't think that, you know, people thought he'd be the second quarterback taken off the board. But they were, the Jets were all of a sudden put in an advantageous situation where they had three quarterbacks and they weren't taking a lot of money up on their cap, so there wasn't necessarily a negative for getting rid of Bridgewater or McCown. So they did one of the few things that they could have done, that was trade him for some value before it was too late. And if you look at what they got, and they got a third-round draft pick for somebody who hasn't played in two years, it's not too dissimilar to what the Pats got for Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So... Uh, obviously, Garoppolo is one of the highest paid players in the league right now and has a, a bright future, but for them to get a third-round pick for somebody they picked up off the scrap heap is pretty good business, if you ask me. When you look at um, the deal that Aaron Rodgers signed yesterday, which is mammoth, uh, $103 million, I believe, in guaranteed money, um... With quarterbacks, you know, it's it's a finicky business. Um, he's been so good and so consistent, but he's had those uh, collarbone issues. He's been hurt. Um, he's had. Um, he's been so good when he's on, and the Packers are just a, a, a totally different team when he's not there. Um, do you think that was a smart contract for the Packers in terms of the money and how the deal's structured? Yeah, I 
Absolutely. You had to sign him. There's no substitute for what he does for that team and how they perform when he's on the field. You do get a little concerned with maybe some of the times that he's missed in the past. But the one thing I look at when I look at people that have been hurt is, is it structural or is it like a superficial type thing? So I consider a broken bone a superficial type of injury. Usually those heal rather normally. There isn't really a lot of other stuff that goes along with besides waiting for it to, to heal properly. Now, if he was coming off of an ACL injury or a back injury or uh, a torn labrum or, or something like that, then it'd be something like, okay, what you know does he present long-term for us as far as his position is concerned? But the one thing that he's been able to avoid is like injuries to his leg. So... The guy, knock on wood, two healthy knees, no really glaring like hamstring injuries, no quad injuries, and you know he should be able to do what he did prior, even though he got hurt last year, this year. So he's the best player in the league. It's just that he got that contract extension. It's just now up to the Packers to surround him with the pieces to make sure that a. He hasn't exposed himself to those types of hits or, or B, he has other people that can take the workload off of him and for whatever reason he can't do exactly what it is that he used to do. Have you started your fantasy drafts uh, for this season? I've had a couple uh, so far, which is tough before the last game, the last preseason game. But, you know, knock on wood, again, there really hasn't been too many injuries in the NFL that have forced teams or anybody to really reshape their rosters like we saw last year or the year before. So hopefully nothing happens between now and the first week of the season where you're left shaking your head that you took somebody that maybe isn't going to be available to you anymore. And I would argue, uh, uh, Danny Flecko, who joins us here on Teeing It Up, that it's the suspensions that, that have had a bigger impact on things than... than um, any preseason injuries? We've got a bunch of big name guys who are going to miss the first two or four games. And the one thing about that, though, is that you know ahead of time, okay, yeah. Versus out. Um, you know, I'm still looking at some of the people that aren't in camp yet, potentially messing up with how teams are approaching the first week. Or even if you want to look at it from a betting perspective, you know, Seattle with Earl Thomas. You know, how much is he swing? The, the lines, if he's playing or if he's been in camp the last three weeks. Khalil Mack, you know, reports came out yesterday they want two first-round picks for him. You know, that Raiders team is substantially weaker without him in the lineup. But then you look at Los Angeles, Darnold's still not back. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, Le'Veon Bell is like, I'm not coming back before Labor Day. And it's just, those are the things I look at and I'm like, all right, well, if I'm doing a fancy draft or if I'm betting, those people are kind of important to how people view the team that they're on. So it'd be nice to see those guys get back or have clarity and be like, okay, well, I'm going to be back this day or I'm not going to be playing at all until I get this new deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, those, those players are looking out for what's best for them and teams, you know, are doing what they need to do. But those are the storylines that I'm still more intrigued by. Like, why aren't these players in camp yet? And if so... When are they going to be in camp? And how do they impact their team? Do they have a negative impact because they're so out of shape or they don't know the team? Or are they, you know, 
in, in shape that doesn't feel they don't miss a beat. So I think those are more intriguing than the suspensions because the suspensions we've known about and game, game plan and kind of figure out how they're going to piece together the first couple of weeks of the season. But you look at the Steelers, if Le'Veon Bell comes back and he's a shell of the type of player he was last year for the first four or five weeks, all now the season's really an uphill battle for you. You really can't do anything to, to dig yourself out of that unless you go on a run. And... Don't forget, there's also the guys who are not signed, like a Des Bryant, who's out there. Yeah, and those guys, you know, they really do a disservice, I think, to themselves and the teams. You know, the teams might be desperate to reach out and try to grab those players, but for a wide receiver or quarterback, um, it's tough to come in any time after April and be successful. You don't know a lot of what it is that you need to do unless you're going back to the same team that you're on or you're following coordinator or coach to a destination. So that's Brian, uh, a situation where, yeah, he might sign, but if he does anything, I'd be surprised. I think he might be a waste of money for any team at this point. He might not contribute at all, even if he is signed by a team. And I don't think he has much to contribute anyway. If he hasn't signed, it's usually because of, of something that, he can't really give you what it is that you, you need from him. Uh, rookie player that's the best bet in fantasy. It's got to be Saquon Barkley. I understand that he's going in the first round. There's no value there. You know, again, a lot of you are tying Saquon's value that he got drafted second overall not being a good value. But if he's the best player on your board at the time that you come up to pick, then the value is in the eyes of the beholder. He's going to get touches. He's going to be a focal point. People can talk about what the Giants are and Eli Manning and everything else like that, but I'm going to, I said it before, and I'll say it again. They have one of the best combinations of skill players in the NFL. Uh, when you look at their running back, when you look at their tight end, when you look at their wide receivers, you know, you throw out Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Barkley on a play, and who's going to be the one that we're going to focus on? All right, so you focus on Beckham, well, then Shepard's going to be open. You focus on Ingram, then Beckham's going to be open. You're going to focus on the underneath stuff, then, you know, you're going to open up, again, more things for the wide receivers. You want to put a linebacker on Barkley, if he splits out wide, well, best of luck there. So... He's going to be put in really good situations. Shermer knows what he's doing from an offensive perspective. Look what he did last year in Minnesota. And all those players there, you, you can't tell me that Big Thielen and Dalvin Cook were top fantasy options last year, or top skill player options last year, and they all became really good players last year and are now being looked at as top, you know, top three or four round selections depending on how it is that you're, you're drafting. So uh, he's got to be the best value, you know, the best rookie that's going to be prime for success. As far as maybe under-the-radar rookies, you can look at guys like Carrion Johnson in Detroit. Um, the, I think the running back in Indianapolis, Indianapolis uh, Wilkins, could be some good value very late in the round. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have a starting running back as of today. So, you know, if you want to look for seat value, that's where you got to look at. But if you're looking for the guy that's going to give you everything that you want from a, from a fantasy production standpoint, it's got to be Barkley. 
uh, f- most underrated fantasy player just in general? So I'm looking at two of them, and I've seen them drop. I, I'll give you three, and they're all running backs. One is uh, Peyton Barber in Tampa Bay. Uh, there's been a lot of reports out of that camp that the running back they selected, Ronald Jones, isn't really up to speed with what they need to do. Peyton Barber's been there for a couple of years. He knows their system. He, he was productive last year when he was given the opportunity to be productive. So without Jameis Winston for the first two games, so I'm sure that they want somebody that's going to be a known commodity back there. Uh, he does have some tough matchups to start off, but he's been going late in fantasy drafts, like ninth or tenth round. Um, I like Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Explosive offense is one of their running backs is out for the first two games as well. I think Aaron Jones is suspended. Uh, and then Ty Montgomery always seems to get hurt. He's somebody that's been, been selected pretty late in draft. And then James White. Uh, he's going to get a ton of looks, ton of passes. If you're in a PPR league, he's going to be pretty valuable for you. But the Patriots, yeah, Burkhead might be coming back. Sonny Michelle was practicing this week, but... James White's probably your best value bet out of that New England backfield. They're giving production week in and week out, and they're going to need the first four weeks. And they're going against defenses like Jacksonville and Houston that they are going to need everybody to step up. And he's going to be one of those guys that that does that. And he's that type of profile player that has killed those types of defenses for the Patriots in the past. So. Uh, I think James White, Jamal Williams, and Peyton Barber are players that aren't necessarily getting as much attention as they could. And finally, the most overrated players in fantasy thus far. So I, I think you know I'm looking at players that are going into these drafts and how they're being selected. Um, I think Kareem Hunt's a little bit overrated. I think... Kansas City is going to have a little bit of a down year, just offensively speaking. You have a, uh, a new quarterback. Their wide receiving core is, is okay, not great. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who did kind of fade a little bit towards the end of the year last year. But that's what he from a rookie. rookie. I think he's a little bit uh, overvalued as to what he can do and how he can provide. And then you look at the wide receivers, I'm not a big fan of Diggs this year for whatever reason. I think with Dalvin Cook back, the offense there will be a little bit different than it was last year. Diggs did have a good year, but he's being drafted in the second or third round, like right after guys like Thielen and Golden Tate. So, you know, those are guys I think I would value a little bit more. But, you know, those two guys just kind of stick out that, yeah, they're great football players. They're going to help your fantasy team out. But I think that you can get similar production players a little bit later in drafts if you if you look for for those deals. Um, and finally, Danny Fleck on teeing it up, who wins the Super Bowl? I think I said the Saints one time when you asked me that, and I'm going to stick with them. I, I did thought that they could regret defensively and, and everything else like that, but... I look at the teams that have been there year in and year out. You know, they had some tough times the last couple of years, and that was because they were retooling their defense. But they have young players in the back end of their secondary. They have a good defensive line. They have a good offensive line. Their skill positions are good. Once Ingram gets back, they have a little more variety, too, in what it is that they can do from an offensive perspective. 
I, I really like the Saints. They're well coached. It's a tough division that they're in. The NFC South always seems to be pretty tough. They're going to have to play Atlanta and Carolina twice, and those are going to be dog fights. But I, I like the Saints as, as a team that can go all the way, and they could have last year. So uh, those are the types of teams that I think you want to bet on because they're going to have like that, that chip on their shoulder that they want to you know, avenge what it is they did last year. And then another team that I, I really like is going to be the Packers. If you have Aaron Rodgers and he's healthy all year, he's proved what it is that he can do. And that team doesn't necessarily always have to be well-rounded, but, you know, he went to the NFC Championship game two years ago with a very similar type of team. He's, he's done it in the past. He's willed his team to the deep playoff runs, and I think that if he's there, he'll do it again. So those are the two teams that I look at as potential teams from the NFC that could win it all, and then if I'm looking at the AFC, I think the Texans are the sleepers that I would take, you know, from that division, uh, I mean that conference. I, I like Sean Watson a lot. The defense is J.J. Watt and Clowney. Stay healthy. It's going to be good. They're young, they're explosive, and we saw what they did with Watson last year. So I, I think the Texans could present some problems, and, and if they make the playoffs, they go far. Danny Flecka, thank you uh, so much, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. I greatly appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime. And thank you for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We'll see you next time.